Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 31st, 2014. Last week on the beginning of the talk I mentioned the incredible weather here in this part of Ontario because it's at the top of a jet stream where it loops around and goes back down into the States. And uh, it's very interesting to live here and experience this. Interesting, not pleasant, but to, to experience this constant daily pouring rain beyond monsoon, in fact. Uh, so loud at times, you can't hear yourself talk, never mind think. And uh, it's, it's so bad. And yet, again, the media is keeping silent about it because we're living in an age of mass weather manipulation. And we're not supposed to know. And unfortunately, through all the studies they've done on humankind, constant studies, ongoing, etc., and how they tap uh, the pulse of the public daily to see what they're bitching about, noticing, complaining about, and so on, they can they can damage, control it very easily uh, and very quickly, too, for that matter. But they do know that if it's not in the mainstream media, whatever you experience personally, uh, then you must ignore it. It, it, can't, it can't be important. And that's how folk just discard what they experience in their own lives with the pouring downpour. These downpours are like floodwaters at times. And daily up here, it's literally daily. It's, been, it's the whole, there was no summer at all, to be honest with you, none at all. It just didn't exist. And it's still raining yet. And for the last few nights, it's been thunder at night, lightning. And again, these constant uh, 24-hour downpours. So that's normal now, normalized great how we can accept things and be trained to accept things because we don't get affirmation by authority figures saying, yes, it's really happening to you. But I've been thinking about this because of Agenda 21, also called the Millennium Project, also called Sustainability Program, because uh, the United Nations wanted, and they had an article up on their website, I read it from their website, the United Nations, where they told all the, those NGOs and organizations involved in promoting uh, the big changes that have to be uh, carried out under the Agenda 21 program. Stop calling it just Agenda 21 because lots of people in the alternate media were, uh, had studied it and, and, know, and they could put it across to the public, so give it different names. But sustainability, uh, whenever you see that on the top of any particular program, it's the same agenda. Therefore, obviously, they can dry people out by weather. Who's going to stay in a place that's constantly uh, under massive snow in winter that turns into massive rain all summer and right into the next bout of snow the next uh, year or so? Uh, it's continuous now, and that seems to be how the, the masters of weather have designed it. Those cut areas of the country, uh, the West Coast of, uh, in the U.S. and so on, and other parts of the world where they're dissipating, uh, which should be rain clouds, and and driving them off course as well, uh, are are really scorching, and they'll have uh, uh, tremendous water problems and so on. But this is again the, the most powerful tool that's been used in a warfare fashion, but in supposedly a peacetime society. Uh, the, the war is always going on, as I've mentioned so many times, on you, the public, because you do have the globalists that have tremendous power today because they own all the big top corporations that, that literally we're dependent on now under thousands of, of branches and companies beneath them. Uh, you get your food from, everything you need to live from. They own it all pretty well. And that was always their goal. Because you see, they're the wise men, and we're the stupid ones, apparently. And they have the right to dictate the way the world goes. Uh, this is an ongoing problem down through the, the millennia with humankind, of various doctrines that come and go. And in the past, they'd always wreak havoc and slaughter, etc., cause starvation and mayhem as they tried to implement their uh, beneficent uh, dictatorships, etc. But today it's worse, of course, because of the progress of science, which is all under the control, again, of the same powerful people who fund them and own a lot of the big laboratories. And uh, they get all the, the data from all over the world coming into their top, very secretive organizations. Everyone's heard of the harp type technologies they're using, of course, to manipulate weather. 
we see the spraying of a care to look up. Most folk don't bother today because it can't be important if the media don't mention it. But uh, And they dismiss it, of course. And meanwhile, I've got more and more emails from people uh, and even personal experiences talking to people in stores and so on. That The biggest thing that is flying off the market, uh, off the shelves today, is uh, antihistamine group, basically. Antihistamines and... Uh, uh, pharmacies are antibiotics and antihistamines, and they can't keep up this, the demand for them today because we're all suffering from the massive uh, side effects from bringing in chemicals and uh, high irritants, which we shouldn't even uh, shouldn't even be in the atmosphere at all. It wears down your lung lining, then bacteria can set in, and you end up with something you simply can't clear out at all. Because it is recurrent, it is, it's ongoing, there's no respite from it whatsoever. And the big boys know this too, and they know it will have uh, terrible effects on the, certain peoples, and eventually all peoples, uh, immediately, sort of thing. Uh, those who are more prone to uh, breathing difficulties of any kind whatsoever, or more sensitive to these particular chemicals, will come down first with them. But eventually others will come down in the long run Because you're becoming toxified in your body uh, With all this stuff coming in constantly Never mind the terrible effects that it has on the weather Especially in, in this kind of climate here Where you can't get even uh, a couple of weeks of sunshine anymore uh, With, it, with the, 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 the temperature we used to have This particular part uh, of Canada I'm living in now used to be classified as basically almost like a subtropical part where you had very high heat in the winter, in the summer and and day after day of beautiful sunshine, lots of berries in this area, berry country. And then you had the very, very extreme cold temperatures in the winter. Now it's, it's definitely the, the, the cold temperature winters are still here and there's even more snow than ever. And uh, But now you have no, no summer at all. And it's like that now. Declining fast for the last uh, six, six, or six or seven years, probably actually, and getting worse every year. And other parts too is happening too in other parts of the world. So, the weather modification program is well on its way, and uh, we have to take the consequences because, as I say, you see, in the real world, in this day and age, there's no complaints departments anywhere. There simply it doesn't exist because. Uh, we're under a scientific management, and the scientific group managed on belief on behalf of the the big money magnets that own the planet, are constantly buying up everything else that uh, hasn't been touched yet. And that's tremendous power, tremendous power. It's certainly not democratic either, and they don't believe in democracy. Uh, they never did believe in democracy, and. Uh, and they'll show it eventually down the road. They're actually showing it to you by the militarization of our societies and the police forces in some countries, especially the U.S. And it's been on the go in the U.S. for an awful long time, in fact, that militarization of the police. So we're being trained, too, with new laws and rules, regulations to simply obey, obey, obey. And as I said, for many years, eventually you'll have no spare uh, spending money whatsoever because all your money is to be taken from you in fines, fees, uh, carbon taxes, uh, energy taxes of all kinds um, and all you'll be left with is money for the bare essentials. Uh, that's, that was planned a long time ago and I've spoken about that for years until I'm six speaking about it. But we're living through it now, it's implemented and more and more laws to come. And the public will simply obey because they'll always say, what, cho- what choice do we have? We have no choice. We're, that's it, isn't it? You're given no choice in this open, free society, right? Now, this last while, I should mention, too, that I've been avoiding uh, the mainstream news to do with wars because you get fed up with them, don't you? They're never-ending wars. I've gone through articles from the military magazines talking about perpetual war get used to it sort of thing, that's how it is and it has been for years now and remember that propaganda's intention is to stir debate amongst the public not solutions amongst the public but debate to get you talking about them and uh, you'll you take a, a, a for the war stance or against the war stance 
and one, one way or another they're, do, they're achieving their purpose they're getting you tra- involved in a sense in a war that really has nothing to do with you except the fact you're funding it but you have no choice in that matter either and uh, you always find the truth always comes out after the end of any phase of it when you see who goes in as a big international multinational corporation and grabs whatever they're after you see and you get a whole bunch of them in these days uh, all working together prior to the wars and divvying up countries, etc., and the resources that they have. That came out after um, the, the Blair fiasco. Once he was out of office, he had the big oil companies in there and other big international corporations in there before the war. Uh, it was even mentioned to the public, even thinking about starting it, and they divvied up what they wanted amongst themselves. So, as I say, the purpose of war is to get you debating and get you emotionally involved in it one way or another. But in reality, you're powerless, unless uh, unless the public, of course, which will never happen, um, are individually, as individual members, are motivated to stand up together uh, and at least say no to any more of this nonsense. But they won't do it because a lot of their jobs are dependent on the war industry, etc. Others are fearful that oil will be cut off and they can't drive their vehicles and so on and so on and so on. So it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate we become, become uh, to an extent, complicit in terrible actions because uh, our way of life might be threatened if, uh, if we didn't go and plunder other countries' resources. But in reality, of course, it's the big corporations who already own us and our countries and everything that we need to survive in, under the present circumstances of life. We know who funded and began the old Al-Qaeda group many, many years ago, even in the Russian-Afghanistan war, the U.S. and the West were, were funding the groups to, to start up and fight and, uh, and cause divisions, and, and strengthened their faith too, by the way, to be radical uh, groups, and, uh, and that hasn't stopped today. Uh, we, we see the spillover from it. And uh, for every action, there's an opposite reaction uh, when they fight off the fought off your enemy, they then turn on you. But then you, get, you find them to do it too, because as I say, the big boys want perpetual war. And the New American Century Group published their agenda back in the 90s on their own, own website, in fact. And we forget that that's about the bunch that came in with Bush and behind Bush and and helped direct them all, and were taking out the countries they had on that list. And, of course, they had, a, they had two or three still to go, and they're hammering them now. And they simply rename uh, their primary funded groups within Al-Qaeda, different names to confuse the public to make you think it's something else. And you get fed up following this kind of nonsense. Personally, I do. I've seen it my whole life in other situations, too. But, um, as I say, what can you do about it, really? Because... And I've said this so many times, as George Orwell had figured out uh, long ago when he wrote his book, 1984, the pros don't count. Now, that's not derogatory to the public. It's a, sta- it's a f- statement of fact. Under the techniques of r- ruling us today, and these are techniques, I've gone into some different, what technique means, and the techniques that are applied to all forms of governing people. The techniques take on a life of their own after a while, and massive bureaucracies grow uh, to manage them, etc. And they become like the technique that they use over the public is kind of a religion to them. That's all the earmarks of her uh, and hallmarks of a religion. And, uh, and once it's established, it's very difficult to change them. They believe they exist to fulfill that, that purpose. Uh, they can all people who are terrible people can always convince themselves they're doing things for for the right reason. It's a, it's a human trait, obviously, and we find that we all end up suffering down the road for many of these decisions that are made. But these techniques that take over literally are supersede your government as such, because governments remember come and go, and bureaucracies stay, and all the the multiplicity of departments and agencies government uses are there all the time running the things smoothly to keep things going even when uh, houses of government change over change hands
long, long ago because of this factor uh, of technique. Politicians became really uh, only relevant to keep the public in the belief that they elected them and they were there to serve them, lip service if you like. And when politicians are appointed over jurisdictions within government, uh, they, they know nothing about that particular department. They don't have to know anything. But when you see them on television, remember, whatever's written for them is written by a, a scriptwriter. All the, all the departments have them. And specialists who are there full-time and make careers in that one department, where it's health or whatever it happens to be, uh, they actually write the script for the politician who's the, the puppet head. Uh, the figurehead over them So uh, it comes over to television So the person knows This politician knows what they're talking about Because they look positive Oh, by the way, they all take acting lessons You know that A few years ago, right on the air uh, The one from Britain And the politicians paid uh, uh, basic courses At £500 per course And there were this, the very basic one Cost £500 at least and then you took other ones afterwards on how to present yourself in deportment and to look stern on occasion and, and understanding on occasion, all and how to pose to the camera, etc. And how to, to actually were trained in reading dummy scripts and how to put it over in a very believable fashion with authority to the public. Uh, it's all showbiz today, folks. Now, these techniques developed out of history of humankind, what we understand, what we, what we know, at least, of human history and systems that ran humans in previous times uh, from all, the, and it's therefore we divided up the world or the history of the past into ages, etc. And um, along with each age comes what dominated the minds of the public, apart from basic survival for the majority of the public in all times. Uh, what governed them, what ruled over their minds and the belief systems they gave them. And even though a lot of people today think they're in a humanistic society, which they are, by the way, in a sense, but humanism in itself is another religion. So the more we change, the more we stay the same. Uh, and even those who are so clever and, and superior as they try to create a new a new way of governing end up being just like a religion because it has, has all the traits of a new religion with its tenets. And uh, obviously, if you do it to its natural progression, humanism and the Humanist Manifesto say would be completely, utterly intolerant of any other opinion except its own. Today it's under liberalism to an extent who are completely intolerant of anybody with an opposing viewpoint to what they call progress. And they decide what progress is and help to fund it and push it. You'll find roughly, although there were phases in history where people had revolutions against the systems of their day, uh, some ongoing, some intermittent revolutions, and, or rebellions are, are more appropriate, really. And many of them came to some success, some to no success at all. But with each of them would come a little change, perhaps, in the way of thinking or viewing the total authority of the time. Uh, even authority of what was at one time God, an Old Testament Jewish deity, basically, who supposedly made man in his image. And with all the sciences today that tell us that that you're basically a form of a rational being made in the image of God, then I guess the God himself is pretty irrational. That's, that's how it would be naturally, wouldn't it? But people are trying to make sense out of everything, the meaning of life. That's the most the oldest question of all. And the people who decide they can give you a reason for the meaning of life end up generally ruling over you. And when you're ruled over in such a fashion, as George Orwell did say, the pros don't count. Now, that's not a negative thing or despondent thing, as some people occasionally will say. Um, is it defeatist? No. You can't start being realistic to get a solution unless you accept that. That's the truth of it. If you accept the circumstances you're actually in, only then can you start to make changes, starting with yourself. Because, you see, if you believe in the old illusions, uh, 
the old reasons for being, uh, to serve your country, to serve, serve, serve. Um, I mean, we can criticize the Middle Ages and the, the way the peasants were treated and starved to death often and when there were bad crop years, most of the grain from them. Um, their, their job was to serve. And uh, we don't want to be, to be in the same position again, I'm sure. And when your country is obviously not benefiting you, uh, but you do see in your country who is benefiting from what your elite do, uh, how can you possibly ally yourself or even try to, how can you even relate to them unless you're a psychopath yourself? Because you'd have to be a psychopath to, to say, I can cash in on this and I exploit others too and get awfully wealthy, get a claim from the, from the media, which will give it to the public, and the public will worship me. Unfortunately, this irrationality again is true. The public worship, what they're given in a 20th century, created phenomenon called the stars. Uh, it doesn't matter how much of a yo-yo intellectually the person happens to be, as long as they've been in some good movies which they liked, uh, they're a star. Because they're told they're stars, and to prove it, they have all that money to back them up. Uh, you worship money, mammon. And uh, how, could, how therefore, if you worship money, because being rich is, is the pinnacle of success, how can you possibly condemn corporations that are using your nations to plunder other countries for the wealth, for the, for the corporation's own benefit? Irrational again, isn't it? Our value system is mad. But we didn't get our own value system from ourselves. We're given it in every era. Every era, we're given the value system. Last week I said that nothing is missed or lost by uh, the rulers. You see, they always like, learn from other countries' power structures and history, how people were ruled, what works, what doesn't, what worked for somebody, why it failed for somebody, and so on. But they adopt the measures necessary to make it work, say, in their own new system that they plan to bring in. And they work carefully, and sometimes for a century or so, planning it all, including the takedown of the present structure of society, bit by bit by bit through social change or cultural change uh, using all the forces that they can, mainly through media, propaganda, education and so on. And they then reapply the new ones or even the old ones that they've copied from someone else's experiment on other societies. So that's how it really works today. Back in the 1800s, people were still, or 1700s, people were still into the Newtonian era. Uh, of everything working in a form of order in the universe. And that was comforting to the human mind, uh, this kind of order. And of course, uh, it, it kept the theologians happy too, uh, that there's no conflict between the discoveries of science and that of their belief system of a god of order, you see. Uh, therefore, when uh, the, the 19th century and the 20th centuries came in, that began to change again as science began to find out new things. Uh, again, the sense of order and, and the geometrical patterns went out the window as physics arose higher and higher. And the, with math mathematics began to find uh, uh, sequences of numbers for everything, basically, right down to what we have today, the computer. And, uh, and then they find out in, in the universe there's not, all that order or draws a lot of things that make no sense as far as order goes. Light could bend, things like that, and that kind of shot people made them afraid again. Oh, goodness me. And we see today, in fact, as the media plays up the possibilities of meteor impacts and comet impacts and, and goodness knows what, you see, which is great. Um, media, of course, for because uh, their, their intention is to sell something to the public, and fear sells better than anything at all, apart from sex, obviously. Now, I'll go over some of Russell's earlier 1930s writing to deal with scientific, the scientific outlook to show you what he, on behalf of the British elite and really the American elite, uh, saw 
for the future by learning from the totalitarian experiments that were happening in that day. They had the rise of Nazism, which really copied a lot of its technique from the, the Bolshevik uh, experience, uh, which became the communist, what we called communism, the Soviet uh, experience, where a whole class of people in the Soviet system were basically slaughtered and boasted about that they slaughtered whole class to bring in a new society and with a designed, specially designed and trained youth who would believe what they were told with a new world outlook. And, uh, and they didn't want to lose that because they could use it elsewhere because the goal was always, from Russell's point of view, uh, that an intelligentsia, and a scientific intelligentsia, and of course, he, he, he carefully avoids the uh, economic boys who, who sponsored him as well, way above him. Although he was related to some of them, in fact. Uh, he avoids mentioning that and the unfairness of this kind of system of a, a, a few controlling the world's power financially. But uh, he really praises the idea of the scientists, scientists coming into their own behind all government as we have it today. It literally is behind everything. And completely interwoven, and with his think tanks and its RAND surveys, etc. And this is what he says on the experimental era of the 1930s when he wrote this particular book. You can almost see him, uh, if Russell could possibly be happy as such, that's probably the only time he could be happy. He talks about the experiment in Japan, which of course. We forget that Japan had been uh, heavily influenced and uh, by uh, the elites uh, of the U.S. They were forced at gunpoint to start trading and then to change their culture and modernize and so on. And that got them going ready for wars, the Sino-Russian War, etc., etc., uh, which is also directed outside of Japan, by the way. But anyway, it says here, the attempt at scientific instruction which is being made by the Soviet government is more ambitious than that which was carried through by the Japanese innovators in 1867. It aims at a much greater change in social institutions and at the creation of a society far more different from anything previously known than is that of Japan. The experiment is still in progress, this is 1930s, early 30s, and only a rash man would venture to predict whether it will succeed or fail the attitude both of friends and enemies towards it had been singularly unscientific. For my part, I am not anxious to appraise the good or evil in the Soviet system, but merely to point out those elements of deliberate planning which make it so far the most complete example of a scientific society. In the first place, all the major factors of production and distribution are controlled by the state. In the second place, all education is designed to stimulate activity in support of the official experiment. In the third place, the state does what it can to substitute its religion for the various traditional beliefs which have existed within the territory of the USSR. In the fourth place, literature and the press are controlled by the government and are as such as, as are thought likely to help it in its uh, uh, constructive purposes. In the fifth place, the family, insofar as it represents a loyalty which competes with loyalty to the state, is being gradually weakened. In the sixth place, the five-year plan is bending the whole constructive energies of the nation to the realization of a certain economic balance and a productive efficiency, by means of which it is hoped that a sufficient degree of material comfort will be secured for everyone. In every other society of the world, there is enormous less central direction than under the Soviet government. It's true that during the war, and that's what really fascinated him too, he says, he said, because it's a centralization of all power as a tenet of Marxism. And he, again, all totalitarian characters like Russell were fascinated by this eventual complete centralization of all the world's power into one authority at the top, you see with scientific institutions below running the, the public, uh, like uh, programmed robots. But he says, during the war, the energies of the nation were, to a considerable extent, 
centrally organized, but everyone knew that this was temporary. And even as its height, the organization was not so all-pervasive as it is in Russia. I used to remember World War I. The five-year plan, as its name implies, is supposed to be temporary and to belong to a time of stress, not wholly unlike that of the Great War. But it's to be expected that if it succeeds, other plans will take its place, since the central organization of a vast nation's activities are too, is too attractive to the organizers to be abandoned readily. So you'd have five-year plans for one part, ten-year plans for other, fifty-year um, plans for complete cultural change, etc., it's a duplication of the, what happened in the West through other means. Anyway, it says here, the Russian experiment may succeed or fail, but even if it fails, we'll be followed by others which will share its most interesting characteristic, namely the, univer- the unitary direction of a whole nation's activities. This was impossible in the earlier days since it depends upon the technique of propaganda. And he says, that is, and here's what he includes in propaganda, that is, upon universal education. And there was a standardized, centrally organized education. Newspapers for the propaganda. It's a cinema, which is movies, and TV as well, and wireless today. The state had already been strengthened by railways and the telegraph which made it possible, made possible the rapid transmission of news and concentration of troops. In addition to modern methods of propaganda, the modern methods of warfare have strengthened the state as against discontented elements, aeroplanes and poison gases have made revolt difficult unless it obtains the support of aeronautics and chemists. So chemists, today we have, we have biochemists and everything, all involved in the warfare industry. It makes revolution possible. They could annihilate whole sections of, of any country if they want, wish to, if there was massive upheaval. And they have all kinds of sound cannons and other kinds that can fry you, microwave and so on. It's all done. I mean, the, this guy spoke on, on world panels, understand, and for the United Nations too, uh, whose goal was always to rule the whole world. And they've been doing all this all along in preparation, not to fight just some other enemy, but to condition the public, you understand, to accept all this natural progression, as it seems to you, to be a natural progression to, progression to a world state. And, um, and and they pretty well succeeded. And remember, too, uh, part of the theory of Marxism uh, was that they'd have to, you could speed up progress, something that might take, say, centuries of, uh, of intrigue and so on to bring down other little countries that wouldn't give up their power or sovereignty. You could speed the whole thing up and, and force revolutions upon them, force the wars upon them, See, and that, that's, of course, the same technique as uh, uh, the New American Century we're using with a list of countries to be taken out rather than put it up with them for another hundred years until they, they'd westernize themselves through technology and so on and copy the West, speed it up, uh, reduce them to an absolutely uh, a primitive state, destroy their infrastructure, and then, then you could go and rebuild. That was what they claimed at the time. They go then and rebuild the whole thing and re-educate everyone. Uh, and so we see the chaos that came out of that, of course, with the great plans, right? But anyway, it says, um, any prudent government will favor these two classes of scientists and so on and take plan- pains to secure their loyalty. So there's going to be a political loyalty, too, by scientists, you see, just like the uh, IPCC, who all will get paid to say that there's terrible things happening in the weather and it's all man-made. Meanwhile, they know darn well that their own geo-engineers are doing it themselves. Anyway, as the example of Russia has shown, it's not possible for men of energy and intelligence if they once become possessed of the governmental machine to retain power, even though at first they may have to face the opposition of the majority of the population. We must therefore increasingly expect to see government falling into the hands of oligarchies, not of birth, but of opinion. And countries long accustomed, accustomed to democracy, the empire of these oligar- oligarchies may be concealed behind democratic forms, as was that of Augustus in Rome. But elsewhere the rule be un- undisguised. If there is to be scientific experimentation, the construction of new kinds of societies, the rule of an oligarchy of opinion is essential. 
and maybe expected that there would be conflicts between different oligarchies, but that ultimately some one oligarchy will acquire world dominion and will produce, he says, a worldwide organization as complete and elaborate as that now existing in the USSR. Such a state of affairs will have both merits and demerits. More important than either, however, is the fact that nothing less will enable a society imbued with scientific technique to survive. Scientific technique demands organization, and the more it becomes perfected, the larger are the organizations that it demands. Quite apart from war, the present depression has made it evident that an international organization of credit and banking is necessary to the prosperity, prosperity not only of some countries, but of all. The international organization of industrial production is being rendered necessary by the efficiency of modern methods. Now, don't forget, this guy was well in with what became the World Bank and uh, the Bank for International Settlements and so on. All these ideas weren't just floated about. There was help to set up the embryos of them before World War II, in fact, in, fact, in time for World War II, and a system of uh, standardizing the world's currencies and so on for value, etc. And Russell goes on to say, the advantages to be derived from an organized world state are great and obvious. So here's, here's a sales pitch coming up, you see. Same sales pitch they gave for the Soviets before the mass slaughters happened. Mind you, Russell himself said another in our book too, he said uh, a scientific uh, dictatorship would be utterly ruthless. So he's, 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 again, he speaks with the forked tongue. But he says, there will be in the first place acute against war and a saving of almost the whole effort and expense now devoted to competitive armaments. There will be, one must suppose, a single highly efficient fighting machine employing mainly airplanes and chemical methods of warfare, which will be quite obviously irresistible and will therefore not be resisted. The central government may be changed from time to time by a palace revolution, a coup in other words, but this will only alter the personnel of the figureheads, not the essential organization of government. The central government will, of course, forbid the propaganda of nationalism by means of which at present anarchy is maintained and will put in its place a propaganda of loyalty to the world state. It follows that such an organization, if it can subsist for a generation, will be stable. The gain from an economic point of view will be enormous. There will be no waste in competitive production no uncertainty as to employment, no poverty, no sudden alternations of good and bad times. That's what the Soviets pushed to. Every man willing to work will be kept in comfort. And every man unwilling to work will be kept in prison. Now that's the socialist agenda, because it also came out of the mouth of uh, of uh, the Fabian Society founders, of course. And I've, I've, uh, I've given a link for that, where you actually hear the old audio from... Uh, George Bernard Shaw saying the same thing. It says, when, when owing to any circumstances, the work upon which a man has hitherto been employed is no longer required, he'll be taught some new kind of work and will be adequately maintained while he's learning his new trade. Economic uh, motives will be employed to regulate population, population control big time, which will probably be kept stationary. And we know it's going down as we go down the way now. Almost all that is tragic in human life will be eliminated, and even death will seldom come before old age. Well, it'll depend on whose class you belong to, you see. Whether men will be happy in this paradise, I do not know. Perhaps biochemistry will show us how to make any man happy. It's about pharmacology and so on. Provided he has uh, the necessities of life, uh, perhaps dangerous sports will be organized for those whom boredom would otherwise turn to anarchists. Uh, perhaps, uh, this is, um, perhaps sport will take over the cruelty, sport will take over from the cruelty, which will have been uh, banished from politics. Perhaps football will be replaced uh, uh, by play battles in the air in which death will be the penalty of defeat. It may be that so long as men are allowed to seek death, they will not mind having to seek it in a trivial cause. 
to fall through the air before a million spectators may come to be thought a glorious death, even if it has no purpose but the amusement of a holiday crowd. It may be that in some way a safety valve can be provided for the anarchic and violent forces in human nature, or again it may be that by wise education and suitable diets, men may be cured. Wise education and suitable diet, men may be cured of all their unruly impulses. He's talking about using drugs and altering the food to alter you. And all life may become as quiet as a Sunday school. You understand there's nothing happening today that wasn't spoken about and by guys on big planning councils a long time ago. And you think it's, it's all happenstance and coincidental because people wouldn't actually go ahead and do this. Well, guess what? They've been doing it long before you were born. This is a one-world agenda with a big, big, uh, which encompasses everything to do with living. Everything. Right down to what life is, is itself. He says there will, of course, be a universal language, and it says which will be either Esperanto, which will try to push back in the 60s, or Pidgin English. We'll listen to a lot of the rap you're listening to. Literature of the past will be, for the most part, not be translated uh, into this language since its outlook and emotional background will be considered unsettling. So a lot, a lot of the, the literature, of course, and so on, with its emotional, you know, things to do with novels and emotion and so on, uh, they didn't really want it out there. And that's where the idea came from, of course, from writings, writings from Russell and all the big crew or on the world boards of his day and paid heavily by the big financial oligarchs of his day. Uh, they, 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 they came up with the idea of Fahrenheit 451, where they burned the books. Because, you, got, you know, you might get contaminated thoughts from reading emotional books. And it says here, too, that... Um, so these books, the emotional background were considered unsettling. Serious students of history will be able to obtain a permit from the government to study such works as Hamlet and Othello. Uh, but the general public will be forbidden access to them on the ground that they glorify private murder. Uh, boys will not be allowed to read books about pirates or red Indians. Love themes will be discouraged on the ground that love being anarchic is silly, if not wicked. And that's why they, they came up with the idea, and I've spoken about this before, that they would, put, they would separate the sexual act from the emotional bonding. That's all been done today. He says, all this will make life uh, very pleasant for the virtuous. Science increases our power to do both good and harm, and therefore enhances the need for restraining destructive impulses. If a scientific world is to survive, it is therefore necessary that men should become tamer than they have been. The splendid criminal must no longer be an ideal, and submissiveness must be more uh, admired than it has been in the past. In all this, there will be both gain and loss. It is not within human power to strike a balance between the two. Now, in the same book, Russell goes on to talk about something which has been tried in many countries, including Britain, uh, the immense buildings just to house lots of uh, ordinary folk in. He never talks about the wealthy elite. Of course, they did, like the Soviet system, they had, according to your status, you see, it depends on your award and all the societies, even the equal ones, apparently. But anyway, he says, in England, individualism leads most families to prefer a small house of their own rather than an apartment, a larger house. The result is that the suburbs of London are spread out through uh, uh, mile after mile of dreariness to the men's detriment of the women and children. Each housewife cooks an abominable dinner at great expense of labor for an infuriated husband. The children, when they come home from school, or rather too young to go to school, find themselves uh, cooped up in a small stuffy premise where either they are a nuisance to their parents or their parents are a nuisance to them. In a more sensible community, each family would occupy a part of an immense building with a courtyard in the middle. There would be no individual cooking, but only communal meals. 
children, as soon as they were no longer at the breast, would spend their day in large area halls under the care of women, possessing the knowledge, the training, and the temperament required for making young children happy. It's all about daycare. So the wives who were present drudge all day during, doing uh, wasteful work badly would be set free to earn their living outside the home. The benefit of such a system to the mothers and still more to the children would be incalculable. At the Rachel uh, Macmillan Nursery School, was found that about 90% of the children had rickets uh, when they first came and almost all were cured at the end of the first year in the, in the most... Uh, in the school, it says, in the ordinary home, the necessary modicum of light and air and good food cannot be provided, whereas all these things can be provided quite cheaply if they provide for many children at once. The freedom to cause one's children to grow up stunted and crippled uh, on, the, on the ground that one is too fond of them to part with them is a freedom which is certainly not in the public interest. Now remember, too, um, part of the, the Ricketts problem, too, was to do with the, the state that always kept the people, the ordinary folk in in Britain, especially uh, right during and after the times of World War One and Two. Ricketts made uh, uh, t- tremendous appearances uh, and uh, didn't go away very quickly either. By the way, it's back again, uh, because we live in such a wonderful economic system. Anyway, uh, he's, he's, he's trying to give you all the reasons why we should live communally and, and take the best of, of the Soviet system, as he calls it. So it's take again the question of work, both the kind of work and the method of performing it. At present, young people choose their own trade or profession, usually because at the moment of their choice it seems to afford a good opening. A well-informed person possessed of foresight might know that the particular line in question was going to be much less profitable in a few years hence. In such a case, some public guidance to the young might have extremely, be extremely, extremely useful. And as regards technical methods, it's seldom in the public interest that an, an antiquated or wasteful uh, technique should be allowed to persist when a more economic technique is known. At present, owing to the rational character of the capitalist system, the interest of the individual wage earner is very often opposed to the interest of the community. It's obvious that in a well-organized community, it should be impossible for a large body of individuals to profit by preserving an inefficient technique. It's clear that the use of the most efficient technique should be enforced, and no wage earner should be allowed to suffer by its enforcement. It comes now to the matter which uh, touches the individual more intimately, the questions of, the question of propagation. It's hitherto been considered that any man and woman, not within the prohibited degrees, have a right to marry, and having married, have a, a rights, if not a duty, to have as many children as nature may decree. This is a right which the scientific society of the future is not likely to tolerate. I love how they word it here, because uh, you understand that these guys are decided back there and then that you didn't have the right to do it then. Uh, and uh, that, that was part of their doctrine. Anyway, because I to say here, in any given state of industrial and agricultural technique, there's an optimum density of population which ensures a greater degree of material well-being than would result from either an increase or a diminution of numbers. As a general rule, except in new countries, the density of population has been beyond this optimum, though perhaps France in recent decades has been an exception. Except where there's this property to be inherited, the member of a small family suffers almost as much from overpopulation as a member of a large family. Those who cause overpopulation are therefore doing an injury not only uh, to their own children, but to the community. It may therefore be necessary or be assumed that a society will discourage them, if necessary, as soon as religious prejudices no longer stand in the way of such action. The same question will arise in a more dangerous form as between different nations and different races. If a nation finds that it's losing military superiority through a lower birth rate than that of a rival, and may attempt, as has already been done in such case, to stimulate its own birth rate. But when this proves ineffective, as it probably will, there will be a tendency to demand a limitation to the birth rate of the rival nation. We found this from China. China has its own version of Agenda 21. Uh, the West signed it with them, by the way. And the, 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 the man, the head honcho of China, president, whoever it is they're called there, 
uh, last year asked uh, or demanded that they keep uh, promoting uh, uh, population reduction and control in the West as well as part of their charter. Anyway, it says here that um, an international government, if it's ever to come into being, will have to take account of such matters. And just as there is at present a quota of national immigrants into the United States, so in future there will be a quota of national immigrants into the world. Children in excess of the license figure will presumably be subjected to infanticide. This would be less cruel than the present method, which is to kill them by war or starvation. I am, however, only prophesying a certain future, not advocating it. Again, man speaks with forked tongue, right? Quality as well as quantity of population is likely to become a matter for public regulation. Already in many states of the U.S., America, it's permissible to sterilize the mentally defective, he calls it here. And I remember he's written this in the 30s. And a similar proposal in England is in the domain of uh, practical politics. This is only the first step. As time goes on, we may expect a greater and greater percentage of the population to be regarded as mentally defective from the point of view of parenthood. As time goes on, you see, you keep adding to the list uh, and probably upping the IQ and say, well, yours is below the IQ. Well, it was okay last year. Yeah, but it's not good this year. However, that may be, uh, it's clear that the parents who have a child when there is every likelihood of its being mentally defective, are doing a wrong both to the child and to the community. Community, community. As you've heard for many years now, is communitarianism, community, community. Uh, no, no defensive principle of liberty, therefore, stands in the way of preserving them from such behavior. And suggesting any cur- curtailment of liberty, there are always two quite distinct questions to be considered. The first is whether such a curtailment would be in the public interest if it were wisely carried out. And the second is whether it will be in the public interest when it is carried out with a certain measure of ignorance and perversity. These two questions are in theory quite distinct, but from the point of view of the government uh, the second question does not exist since every government believes itself entirely free from both ignorance and perversity. Every government, consequently, insofar as it is not restrained by traditional prejudice, will be advocate more interference with liberty than is wise. When therefore, as in this chapter we are considering what interferes with liberty might be theoretically justified, we must hesitate to draw the conclusion that they should be advocated in practice. I think it's probable, however, that almost all interferences with liberty for which there is a theoretical justification will in time be carried out in practice because scientific technique is gradually making governments so strong that they they need not consider outside opinion. This is the 1930s, remember. The result of this will be that governments will be able to interfere with individual liberty wherever, in their opinion, there is a sound reason for doing so, and for the reason just given. Uh, This will be much more often than it should be. For this reason, scientific technique is likely to lead to a governmental tyranny, which may in time prove disastrous if they go too fast, too openly, and and, and so on. That's why they've used the war on terror and rammed everything through on you. It throws you off balance. Well, it's really a war against something, you know, and uh, not really against us, but uh, is it really? Equality like liberty is difficult to reconcile with scientific technique since this involves a great apparatus of experts and officials inspiring and controlling vast organizations. Democratic forms may be preserved in politics, but they will not have as much reality as in a community of small peasant proprietors. Officials unavoidably have power. And where many vital questions are so technical that the ordinary man cannot hope to understand them, experts must inevitably acquire a considerable measure of control. Global warming, anthropological, man-made global warming, right? We're going to depopulate the planet, IPCC. We're going to do geoengineering. It'll kill a lot of them off in the meantime, mind you, with all the poisons, but it has to be done, etc., etc., the scientific society will be just as oligarchic under socialism or communism as under capitalism. For even where the forms of democracy exist, they cannot supply the voter, the ordinary voter with the requisite knowledge, 
nor enable him to be on the spot at the crucial moment. The men who understand the complicated mechanism of a modern community and who have the habit of initiative and decision must inevitably control the course of events to a very great extent. And this is, in other words, leave it to the experts. Leave it to the experts. Just it's way above your understanding, you simpleton. Just accept it, you see. That's what he's telling you there. And by the way, I've mentioned so many times that knowledge is never lost, and what they learn from watching uh, fascism, uh, communism, uh, the Nazi project, and so on, they, they, they incorporate what they see as the totalitarian centralized governmental pieces and use it all themselves. They never throw that up. They're all fascinated. See, all tyrants are fascinated by the same power. You understand? So they'll always take the same kind of form that works for them. He says, perhaps this is even more true in a socialistic state than any other. For in a socialistic state, economic and political power are concentrated in the same hands and the national organization of the economic life is a more complete in a state where private enterprise exists. What do you have today, folks? Who runs your politics for you? How come the same agenda rolls forth regardless of what pretense organization pretends to be in power? Moreover, a socialistic state is is likely to have more perfect control than any other over the organs of publicity and propaganda, so it will have more power of causing men to know what it wishes to know and and not to know what it wishes unknown. That's where we are today. eh? Equality, therefore, like liberty, is, I fear, no more than a 19th century dream. The world of the future will contain a governing class, probably not hereditary, Actually, it is hereditary. That's one of the things they always copy tradition. I don't care what they call themselves. You saw that in the socialist Soviet system, too. And it says, but more analogous to the government of the Catholic Church. And this governing class, as they acquire increasing knowledge and confidence, will interfere more and more with the life of the individual and will learn more and more the technique of causing this interference to be tolerated. Look at the computer, and now they want you to talk to government, and you talk to them, they talk to them, to you, and etc., etc. But so far, you're good, right? And they make it fun for you. <laughs> it may be assumed that their purposes will be excellent and their conduct honorable. It may be assumed that they will be well informed and industrious, but it cannot, I think, be assumed that they will abstain from the exercise of power merely on the ground that individual initiative is a good thing or on the ground that an oligarchy is unlikely to consider the true interest of its slaves, for men capable of such self-restraint will not rise to positions of power, which except when they are hereditary, are attained only by those who are energetic and untroubled by doubt, which is a good psychopath. They have no doubt whatsoever. Now, I'm sorry for prattling through that rather quickly, but uh, there's not much time in an hour. And uh, it's already raining here again. It's like perpetual darkness here. So bad you couldn't believe it unless you were here on the spot. And this is all the weather manipulation that's so good for us all, apparently. And it's even touched upon in the book I was reading from, uh, how they control the weather and uh, the crops and all the rest of it too. Uh, By the way, they can really shift populations out of areas that way. Because the weather really started off as weather warfare, as we well know. Uh, that's what funded it all, our tax money, through all the big governmental projects for warfare. So, remember too that you can help me take along here, hopefully. I should maybe get a dinghy, uh, just to be on the safe side. Uh, buy, as I say, you can donate or buy the books at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's just to buy two that are better quality than the ones I put up. They're higher bit rate. And hopefully you can keep me going too, because I've got so much to do here. And I've had literally, I couldn't go, I can't even count the crisis. I've come along here, crisis after crisis after crisis. Things you never believe unless you're here in the middle of it all. But uh, that's what happens here. And uh, I should just leave it at that. And I hope you're all coping as best you can through all of the changes which are advancing upon you and upsets in, in all your lives too, because you're all going through similar things as well, I'm sure and staying at least afloat, so to say, especially for me and under all this deluge here. 
And for those who are suffering in drier areas because of the weather warfare as they dissipate, which should be rain clouds, and dump it elsewhere by directing the jet streams. What a world we're living in. We're living in the sci-fi movie. You don't have to go into science fiction anymore, folks. You're living in it. And if you start just going by your own perceptions daily, uh, for instance, uh, I go into the local forecast stations and even the governmental ones, and they're completely under-reporting and falsifying the rain records and everything else massively as we go through this incredible uh, perpetual rainy season up here now in Canada that ends up being a perpetual snowy season, one or the other. And uh, it's all man-made, of course. And you can see them doing it, uh, spraying, and, and the few clear bits you get, there they go, all over the place, spray, 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 in all directions. And what you see are not normal clouds by any means. But you're not supposed to notice that. And if the media doesn't mention it, it can't be worth remembering, right? That's how you dismiss it from your mind. You expect the media to do your reasoning for them. And long, long ago, folks, the media was never yours. Never yours. As per the book I was just reading bits from, from the 1930s. Uh, it's all propaganda. I sometimes think of um, all the fiction they, they doze out there like crazy on the public today to distract you from reality and the problems of reality and the chaos we're going through. And that's why folk want escapism. Uh, the harsher it becomes for the individual, the more they want to retreat into a fantasy world of just distraction for a little while. Uh, and so they dish out to like a never-ending uh, stream for you to get lost. But don't lose track of what is real. I've listened to some talk shows that, that, that go on and on with all kinds of weird stuff at night. And it's to do with uh, really uh, um, fantasy. Because the shows are actually licensed under, under um, entertainment. But the people, all the people don't know that. And it's sad to hear lot the callers ca- calling in because of all the books that's been churned out too that used to be churned out as science fiction and, and fiction. And uh, now that, 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 that it's under the pretense of uh, some new finding or, or metaphysics or something like that. But in reality, it's, it's sci-fi writers who are now are now allowed to come out and just act through the show as though it's all real and make a fortune off it. Because people are desperate now for meaning in life. And as the religions get knocked from underneath their feet and they see uh, the old being destroyed, the old cultures and societies being destroyed deliberately, at least I try to give the reasons why they're being destroyed and the organizations behind it. Because it's not happening by itself, believe you me. If, uh, say, the 1930s or 40s society suited the oligarchs of today, or the offspring of them who are still in charge, if it suited them, you'd have the same culture exactly as it was back then, by the way. Uh, This is to suit them and their future world dominion. And same with all the wars that we're undergoing as well, and the cultural social changes, value changes, etc., etc., I'm here to try to help you understand it. Um, I'm not uh, depressed as such by it, as some people might think. Uh, I, I think the first freedom you get is by reclaiming your mind. That's so important. You, you can't reclaim anything unless you, your mind is operating properly, as best as you can under the circumstances. With all your inoculations and the tampering uh, you've had that you don't even know you've had, uh, get your mind in order if you can. And be careful of the organizations you join. Because remember, the oligarchs have always supplied all their own oppositions down through the ages. Don't forget, too, that a lot of those groups fighting over in the Middle East are, are fighting for causes that have been given to them by guys in the West. And they're on for a shock at the end of it once their usefulness is over. Be careful what you, who you follow. There are so, you're on a chess game and no one's told you you're on a chessboard 
You don't even know you're there. But you're, you're on the chessboard, folks. All of you are on the chessboard. So be very, very careful out there, as I say. And from Hamish and myself, Hamish is my pooch, my dog, who hates the thunder at night. I'm up all night with him as it bangs for hours, like eight hours sometimes over the course of a night. And these monsoons I'm getting, he's not too happy with it at all. Neither am I, because I'm getting sleepless nights uh, staying up with him. For Hamish myself, Frontier Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>